0: Guys, we have a great episode tonight. We have Don Jameson. We have Wendy Dio. We have Chandler Mogul. And before we get into the episode, I just real quick wanted to remind you that we are going to be at the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, August 26th. You can co-host an episode with us. Just go to the show notes on today's episode and look for the GoFundMe page. You make a pledge there. Note that you're doing it for a guest spot on the Talking Metal podcast. Of course, you have to get to Nashville. You have to get to the, uh, the Expo, but it's going to be a great event. Sounds like Mark Slaughter is going to be there, uh, Gary Corbett of Cinderella and Kiss fame. Uh, I think Max Norman is going to be there, the legendary producer. It's going to be a great, great weekend at the Rock and Pod Expo with all your favorite podcasts, Talking Metal, the Rock and Roll Geek Show, Decibel Geek, uh, tons of the Kiss podcast, the Talk Tommy podcast, we'll all be there together at the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, on twenty on August twenty sixth. Go to today's show notes to check out all the links and all the info. All right, now into the episode.
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's comedian and unemployed TV host Don Jameson. Since you're not watching that metal show anymore, wow, wow, wow. Hopefully, you're listening. To one of my favorite podcasts, it's the Talking Metal Podcast with the Striegels, Mark and Emily.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Mark Striegel, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. We have some great guests on the show tonight. I'm joined by my co-host and wife, Emily Striegel. Emily, how are you? Super duper. And also with us, we're actually sitting in his... uh, This isn't really the living room, Don. This is, what, the loft area? This is the rocking room. The rocking room. We're in Don Jameson's house, which is great. Right on the the bay. Uh, What bay is this? I'd rather not say Mark. Right, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) In New Jersey, somewhere.
2: It's the the Bay of Metal.
0: The Bay of Metal. (laughs) Cool. And we're going to talk to Don about his new record, which is coming out on Metal Blade's Communication Breakdown. We're also going to talk with Wendy Dio. And Chandler Mogul, Chandler, some of you guys might remember, has been on the show before. He's a great singer from the New York, New Jersey area, and he's currently playing with Punky Meadows of Angel Fame. So, Don, let's let's start with with your new record. The we have to talk immediately about the the album cover, <laughs> which is striking, right, Emily? <laughs>
3: I love this picture. This picture makes me very happy. Is that from your uh, yearbook?
2: It's yeah. It's from my college yearbook. And see, this is the this is what we've always said over the years on that metal show about the packaging and having the physical copy of an album, which is it, it's a lot of fun, you know. And and I still believe that um, for the for the few people who do buy the physical copy, it's right. my college yearbook photo. My major was communication, and. Um, you know, for those who haven't seen it, um, I kind of got a feathered kind of half Doc and half Bon Jovi, long that's hair past the
3: shoulders. That's a mullet, don't No, that's
0: not really a mullet. It's, yeah. it's, like, it's cause
3: that's like a half mullet. It's like yeah. a, I'm
0: a week away from a mullet. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: But, uh, yeah, and, and my nieces and my nephews saw it, and they... Thought it was the funniest thing ever And they took a picture of it And sent it to me And they're like Aha, Uncle Donnie Look how funny you look back then right. And I agreed I do look funny
3: <laughs> but, but that But that- you look exactly the same though Like you haven't aged Like officially you're, <laughs> I, th- I feel like you're a vampire Because your face looks the same
2: Well, it's a lot of Botox And yeah. uh, incantations <laughs> And Things that I have to do to to keep my youthful Appearance but uh, at 50 I'm Happy to still have hair so uh, This is uh, this this look worked In 1988 with the ladies so uh, So Don Jameson communication Which my major so we just added Breakdown to it as always I like to Do a nod to a a Rock or hard rock or metal uh, band So a little Zeppelin reference in There as well
0: cool and the, the I guess I'd call it the single Right it's out it's it's Kiefer, right? And this is something we recently heard you do at a stand-up show in Flemington, New Jersey. A great story about Keith or Sutherland. And uh, can, can we play it on the podcast a little? Uh, yeah, i yeah. love you too. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's check it out. This is a routine off of Don Jameson's new record, Communication Breakdown, out on Metal Blade. Let's check it out.
2: So we got to be able a few cocktails in this lifetime. You know what I'm saying, bro? Now I'll tell you a funny drinking story, and I swear this is 100% true. And what's cool is, man, you guys are always so nice and gracious after comedy shows. You want to buy the comedians drinks, and we appreciate that. But I always say the same thing. Uh, If someone offers to buy me a drink, I say, um, I'll take six Miller Lights. (laughs) Because about three times out of ten, I get it. It's like asking for anal sex, you know what I mean? So I go to this movie premiere party, and the star of the movie is the actor Kiefer Sutherland. We all know Kiefer Sutherland in here, right? All right. And about an hour into the party, Kiefer Sutherland himself walks into the room with his girlfriend, and they're all dressed up. They're saying hi to people. So I said to my buddy who invited me, I go, hey, can you introduce me to him? He goes, yeah, no problem. Hey, Kiefer, come over here. This is my buddy, uh, Don Jameson. He co-hosts that metal show, and sometimes he plays in Kyle Falls like that. Keeper Sutherland just looks at me and goes, I never heard of that metal show. He's ossified drunk. He's New Year's Eve, your bachelor party, and St. Patrick's Day. All rolled up into one drunken lost boy. He had so much alcohol in his breath when he breathed on me, he bleached my fucking hair. His girlfriend was just as hammered, and she passed out in the chair five minutes into the party. So it was just like, um, okay, yeah, that's cool, man. You never heard of that metal show, but I know you love rock music. I know you're in a band. I know you have a record company. And he goes, yeah, that's right, man. You know what? You're the only dude I ever talked to who didn't ask me about the Lost Boys or 24. I'm going to the bar. What do you want to drink? I'll take six Miller Lights. <laughs> I'm laughing, my buddy's laughing. A minute later, somebody's tapping me on the shoulder. I turn around, there's Keeper Sutherland handing me Miller Lights. One after the other, like some alcoholic relay race. He's drinking scotch out of a pint glass, straight up. Every five minutes, he would look at his girlfriend and go, love of my life," And she's like, She's drooling, she's got a cocktail straw stuck to her face. We're holding a mirror over her mouth to see if it fogs up. He was so hammered, I talked to him for 45 minutes, I have no idea what this guy said to me. It was like talking to Lou Ferrigno with a toothache. Stephen Hawking would have been a better conversationalist than this guy. So we get to the end of the night and he goes, i got to get out of here, man. I go, oh, it's nice to meet you. I'm a big fan. And he goes to give me the bro shake, right? You know know, when you shake your bro's hand? And you pull him in, and I swear to God this is true. He pulls me in, and he starts kissing my neck.
4: (laughs) And I'm looking over my shoulder like, get a picture? Call TMZ bitch. I thought
2: maybe he really is a lost boy. Maybe he is a vampire. I don't know. I get home that night, my girlfriend at the time is sleeping over, I try to slip in quiet so I don't wake her up. 30 seconds later, this is what I hear. Don, what's that mark on your neck? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, what am I talking about? You come home four in the morning, reeking of six Miller lights. I wanna know who you were with tonight. Honey, you're probably not gonna believe this, but Jack Bauer gave me a hickey tonight. I always dreamed of hooking up with a famous person. I just didn't know it was going to be one with a penis and a drinking problem. <laughs> hey, it could have been worse. I could have met Bill Cosby that night. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: I avoided that one, yeah. That was Don Jameson, a track off of Communication Breakdown. He is our guest here on Talking Metal, along with Wendy Dio and Chandler Mogul. This is your third Metal Blade release, right? Yeah, yeah. And by
2: the way, that that's a, a completely 100% true story, right. that bit. So uh, there's actually really no exaggeration at all. And um, I don't know if he's heard it yet, but when he does, he's not going to be a happy guy. Right, right. Not that he'll remember the night, but, yeah. uh, a drunken night with Kiefer Sutherland is always something you want to, uh, put on a CD. But, uh, right. yes, it's my third one with metal blade. Uh, obviously so honored to be able to not only be the first comedian signed to the label, but to still be doing records with these guys. And, uh, you know, like any other band and musician, they say the same thing, but uh, it's true. This is the best one yet. So
0: right. I hope people cool. dig it. Absolutely. Now, you know, back to the 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 Kiefer uh, story, which you said is one hundred percent true. I, I got to tell you that when we saw you in Flemington, probably I guess it was like two, three weeks ago. At this, I point. play all the big cities. Yeah, <laughs> Flemington, <laughs> Flemington, New Jersey, guys. It's uh, you should see my tour of the routing Central West <laughs> yeah. New Jersey. Yeah, uh, but um, you told a story at that at that performance, which was really funny, and it was about. It doesn't sound funny the way I'm going to describe it, but it was about you falling off a skateboard and, and cracking your head open and having to get stitched up and, and stuff like that. And, and it was it was really funny when 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 you said the story at the performance. But like a year ago or, or something, you told me the same exact story. In real life, without the and it wasn't funny. It was like, oh my god, it was very sad. Yeah, yeah. and
3: we were very concerned. Actually, I was like worried sick about you. Emily's
0: like, you got to get a cat scan. Yeah, we were we were worried about you when you told that story. (laughs) So I guess knowing knowing that, how much embellishment do your stories have? I mean, it seems like not a lot, but you somehow what as a comedian, what's what's the trick you do to make a story? funny.
2: Yeah, that's the, that is the trick. I mean, you know, it's sort of like ACDC, you know, they, they basically play the same three chords, but they know how to play them a little differently each time. Right. And that's sort of the magic. So it's the same thing with comedy. It's about how you rearrange words and switch things around. And yeah, there's a level of exaggeration of stuff always. But uh, in a case like that, where I had a near death experience. On a skateboard with young children laughing at me um, I figured I had to take that pain And, and make something funny out of it so, uh,
0: so I did and I put that on the record Right on And we're talking about Communication Breakdown Don Jameson's new record Out April 21st, which is probably going to be a few days from now by the time we post this. So definitely pick it up. It'll be on Spotify, iTunes. The physical copy is available, I'm sure, through MetalBlade.com, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah. and there's links through my website. It's on on Apple Music. It's available for pre-order now.
0: Cool. Let's check out a little Dio right now on the podcast, and we're going to come back and talk with Don a little more. This is some classic Dio the Dream Evil album, the title track, Dream Evil, from 1987. Were you a big fan of that record, Nunn? A, a huge fan of that album. I mean, those
2: early Dio albums are, uh, they're untouchable. They really are. Yeah. You know, some of the later ones, he went a little bit of a stray, but, uh, you know, he's just uh, honestly one of those guys who could really do no wrong with me. But the early ones especially
0: are Magic. Yeah, I mean, I always say that Dream Evil is my third favorite Dio record after Holy Diver, and Last, Last line. of Mine. Yeah. yeah, because it was... It was you know vivian was out of the the picture at this point but you still had bane and and apathy on drums and it was a heavier record than sacred heart in some ways yeah which wasn't a bad record that was a great record too but i always i always liked dream evil a little bit better so anyways this is the title track off of that record i'm talking metal By Dio on Talking Metal, I, I real quick wanted to talk about Ghost because uh, I'd been called out in the comment section on Talking Metal by by a listener who who said that I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, <clears throat> there's the the whole band. It appears was fired. I don't. Know if that's you're, what you it,
2: get for that's what yeah. you get for looking at the comment section. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, I would uh,
2: never look at any comment section at anything.
0: Somebody, Blabbermouth had reported that the band had been fired, but Papa was or the guy who plays Papa was still there, and uh, I I said I doubted that was true because one of the nameless ghouls was giving a lot of the interviews and seemed like a dominant, prominent member of the band, and it turns out that Blabbermouth then reported that that was just the same guy who plays Papa, but when he does interviews, he would put on a mask. So I'm I'm kind of bummed out to think that that if this is true, which I don't think it's ever really been confirmed by, by ghosts, but that they fired the whole band thoughts, Don?
2: Well, I think this is great for them. you know, it keeps the conversation going about the band. Right. Um, I dig, you know, all the imagery and stuff with the band. Um, and this just kind of carries on the mystique of what's going on. Who's who, who's really in the band, who's not in the band. I mean, if you're a nameless ghoul, you don't really have a leg to stand on when it right. comes to you know, trying to sue for something, unless you were one of the songwriters, then obviously you're going to get publishing. But other than that, it's sort of like nobody reading it knows what's going on. True. You know, nobody really knows the story. I mean, it's for a while it was so hard for them to travel because. You know they'd have to match up the passport with the person and nobody knew who anybody was and right. you know it got confusing after a while like right. who's in the band and who's not so right. uh, but again it's part of the mystique and that's that is com- something that's kind of missing with bands these days
0: absolutely uh so on that note let's uh i'm, I'm just admitting that i was wrong to ever wrote that in the <laughs> in the comedy the guy was keith r and i was hoping it wasn't keith uh roth from sirius but i, I really uh. doubt he listens to this and would really doubt he would be in the comments section. On
2: listen, Keith Roth, mind your business, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go do your Ozzy's boneyard and your hair nation and your electric ballroom, and call me, dude. I haven't talked to you in a while.
0: Cool. This uh, actually, first, Emily, let's talk about your interview with Wendy Dio. Emily conducted this interview this this week, and uh, your first time speaking with Wendy, right?
3: My first time speaking with Wendy, I was super excited, and I kind of nerded out. I think in the beginning a little bit, but, um, it's, it's kind of a boring, it might be a boring interview to some because we did talk about the research aspect. I work in cancer research for a living. So like what she's doing right now is really interesting to me. So I kind of nerded out with her from that perspective as well. So I hope people find it to be an interesting interview, but I, I was, I was like so excited to talk to her.
0: Don, have you ever Interviewed Wendy Dio? She was never on that metal show, was she? Yeah. She actually, was? Yeah. yeah she, okay. And,
2: and
3: um, I don't know. you
2: know, when people ask me about some of my favorite moments or my proudest moments on that metal show, that, that was one of them after Ronnie died. Really? Okay. We had been on a long hiatus for about seven or eight months. Yeah. And uh, our first show back was the tribute to Ronnie. Okay. And uh, Simon Wright, Wendy Dio, Rob Halford, Tom Morello all came on the show and, uh, you know, we were really rusty, but we wanted to, you know, obviously do right by Ronnie yeah. to give pay proper respects, but also to share stories and laugh and have a good time too, and celebrate, you know, his talent and his music. Right. And we did the show and, uh, I thought, you know, I thought it came off very well. Um, a couple months later when it aired, I was in, I was actually in Akron. I was playing at Ripper Owens tap house at the time and Simon and Wendy came over to, to Tim's house on Sunday morning. We were all getting together for lunch. In in Ohio? In Ohio. Wow. Yeah, they were out there because um, the Dio Disciples were about to go on okay. tour. So they all came to Tim's house on Sunday morning. And at noon, they used to have the repeat of that metal show. So we all sat around. And we all watched it together for the first time, including myself. Cool. And about uh, probably about five minutes in, I look up. And Wendy and Simon both had tears streaming oh, down wow, their face. Wow. And that was, I felt so proud that, yeah. you know, we had made that kind of impact on people that were so close to Ronnie. That's awesome. So that, 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 that's a show I'll always hold dear in my heart.
3: So one thing I talked with Wendy at length about was the hologram. And did you hear the announcement that yeah. they are going on tour, like mm-hmm. officially? So they have like eight songs worked up now as opposed to... A, were you a Vakin? No, you weren't a
2: Vakin. No, but I saw the footage, yeah. You saw the
3: footage. So they, like, they had one song there and then they did... In LA, I don't know if they did a few songs. I didn't even ask her about that. But I know that they did a, sec, a U.S. debut of The Hologram. But now they've got the tour going. So you're friends with Ripper... Mm-hmm. Ha- have you talked to him at all about this? Like this is happening, like in September. Apparently, they're going out like eight songs with Ripper and the whole.
2: Yeah, disciples. when I talk to him, we always we talk about golf. We talk about beer and golf. Yeah, beer and golf and, like, and his kids. And, <laughs> <laughs> but but I did talk to the the guy who invented um, this hologram, Jeff Pizzuti. Jeff Pizzuti but we right. had Jeff
3: on the podcast. When okay. did we have him on?
0: Uh, four months ago five. Okay, months ago,
2: yeah. yeah, I gotta go back and listen was, I'm too, I've listened to the Michael Shanker one like four times <laughs> Mark, let me tell you I'm in the third stage of life I don't talk to my brother Rudolph anymore He's very tricky, he's a wannabe He's a poser He's a shyster, a con man yeah, it's I can never get enough of Shanker talking about the three stage. I'm yeah. in the third stage of life in the second. <laughs> so um, but uh, I yeah, I had a good conversation with Jeff at the, the Revolver Awards where so much where so much stuff happened, which is funny because, um, you know, uh, he t- asked me outright. He goes. You know, because we talked, we debated a little bit back and forth about the merits of doing it, and he said, "Bottom line, would you go see it?" And I go, "You know what? I would. Right. I really would, yeah. um, because I think it'll be done tastefully yeah. and respectfully, and and um, uh, you know, now I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it like I'm yeah. ready. I can't wait to buy a ticket, but I think it'll be cool.
3: Yeah, and the, and the thing that brought this up in my mind was you talking about seeing tears in Wendy's eyes. And she said the first time she saw the hologram, she said she had seen it multiple times, you know, because she's been very active in the process of developing the hologram. But seeing it on stage, she said she was sobbing. She said she was in the pit. She said it had an effect on her. She had no clue it would have on her. So, I mean, she's... She said in the interview, she's like, because I've always been very interested in their relationship. And I think a lot of people have been. Like, how you guys were married, but you were, it's like the Sharon Ozzie thing. Like, how does this work? But obviously different. Um, I'm not comparing them to Sharon Ozzie. I'm just saying. But they were
2: unmarried for so long. They were unmarried for way longer than they were married. So right. But yes, in a Sharon kind of way. But uh, there's a a dynamic
3: there that has to be different. So I did ask her a little bit about how that worked. But, you know... I think that she's obvious. She said he was my soulmate.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, let's check it out. And right now on Talking Metal, this is Emily Striegel's interview with the one and only Wendy Dio. It's an honor to have her on this program for the first time. Uh, before we get into the interview, let's check out a song written by Craig Goldie, Simon Wright and Ronnie James Dio. This is from 2004. It's called Living the Lie.
4: She's really
3: This is Emily Striegel from Talking Metal. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. So happy to hear your voice. Me too. And thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. Yes. I'm not going to fangirl out on you, but I I can't possibly start this interview without telling you that uh, Ronnie is one of my all-time favorites, and rarely a day goes by that I'm not listening to his music. So I'm really, really happy to be able to talk with you today. Well, thank you. Thank you. So it's an honor to have you on Talking Metal today to talk about an exciting event coming up on May 7th out in California. That's correct. Ride for Ronnie, yep. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So this is the third annual Ride for Ronnie presented by you and the Ronnie James Dio Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund. This sounds like a blast. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
5: Oh, yes, it will be a blast. Um, Actually, Harley-Davidson are sponsoring it for us, and uh, the ride starts out um, at Harley-Davidson in Glendale, and it goes to Encinitas Park in Encino. Um, And there we have uh, Eddie Trunk is hosting it, and then we'll have uh, Lynch Mob, Dear Disciples, Rough Cup, Eddie Money playing, and... um, Loveless, the band called Loveless, and Sonia Harley, another band, and um, No Small Children, another band, and we have you know live music, food trucks, raffles, live auctions, wine, beer vendors. It's going to be a real fun day. Keeping Ronnie's music and his memory alive, and and of course making money for the uh, our charity for cancer research and education.
3: Yes, that's excellent, and I'm. I'm too bad I'm on the East Coast. Otherwise, I would be there in a second to, to participate. Uh, uh, even though I don't ride a motorcycle, you don't have to ride a bike to participate. You can come no, to the no, concert No, no, you don't have portion, to ride right? it at
5: all. You can just come and enjoy the um the concert. Yes, we we started it, you know, as I said, this is our third one. So our first one, uh, we started and we had, I think, 150 riders and 500 people. Uh, last year, we had 350 riders and 1,500 people. So wow. this time, we're hoping for even more people. Um, we may have to move the park. To uh, somewhere else next next uh, year to accommodate more people.
3: That's amazing. And uh, has Eddie hosted this all three years? I know he's uh, did it last year. He did the first year. He's done all of
5: our memorials and all of our right. bowling. Last year, um, he had a conflict with um, okay. I think it
3: was uh rock on the a rock on the range, right? Which okay. he had already um, yeah. But he's back again this year. Wonderful, and I know that uh, Ronnie was a a big fan of Eddie's, and and vice oh, versa. Oh, absolutely. Uh, can you share any they stories really about their good. friendship? Yeah.
5: they were very good friends. Ronnie always said, you know, if it wasn't for Eddie, he was one of the people that really kept the uh, the heavy metal music alive, and did everything to push it and and keep it and play all the bands, and just you know just was such a fan of the of heavy
3: metal music and kept it alive. And they were really good friends. They they spent a lot of time together. Absolutely. And the the lineup is fantastic. And you have quite a history with some of these bands as well, including the the one that jumps out at me is is Rough Cut, because I believe that you... You managed them back in the day, maybe in the early 80s. Oh, I did.
5: I did. That was our first band that I ever managed. And Ronnie and I, um, Ronnie helped produce the band and get them signed to Warner Brothers. And, of course, um, actually, they just reformed because of the last memorial they did for Ronnie. Uh, they decided to reform, and they came to me and asked me if I would manage them again. And I said, well, of course. I'd be very jealous if somebody else had them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It's my band. That's your band. <laughs> That's totally my understand. band. <laughs> and of course, Dio Disciples is going to oh, be course, there. Which, so, yes,
5: which is my band also. Yes, and um, we'll uh, we'll
3: be uh, we'll be uh, working with them uh, with a the hologram later in the year. That's really exciting news. I actually just read the headline uh, earlier today, actually on Blabbermouth. I think that there is you officially announced that there is a tour plan starting in December or uh, September with the hologram. Correct. Yes. Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm and so, so can you, um, what can you tell us about that? Like, how many songs, because uh, uh, Vox, so our, for our listeners, most of our Talking Metal listeners already know that, you know, th- of course, the Hologram was debuted at, at Vox in, I think, last year, right? With one song. Last year, yes.
5: 75,000 people. And then we uh, debuted it again over here uh, for the opening of the Polestar Awards. Um, it was just one song then, but we're working now on um, on quite a few songs. So, uh, Ronnie will probably come in, in and out, the band, uh, the Savers will play, and um, Ronnie will come in and out about four or four to six times during the set. He'll also, I think, he does a duet with uh, with Ripper, uh, with Tim Ripper Owens, and um, it's it, it's something that I think Ronnie would have really approved of because in 1986, when we did the Dragons stage set, we tried to create a hologram then, which was done with rear projection. When we did Ronnie's head in a uh, crystal ball. Uh, with him talking and you know he was an innovator of music and I think would would definitely be an innovator of technology nowadays and Uh, and you know I think it's 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 for the fans that saw Ronnie loved him would love to see him again back up on stage and for the kids that never got to see Ronnie
3: exactly so you know the whole concept of the hologram is you know I'm not going to say controversial one but you know people seem to either love it or hate exactly, the idea. it
5: is. It is very controversial. The people that have seen it love it. The people that haven't seen it are not quite sure what it is. I think you know, and and whether we were, Ronnie would approve or not. And um, I am sure Ronnie would approve. He he always was very interested in technology and, and on making new things and with holograms.
3: And as I said, it's it's done because we want to keep Ronnie's music and his memory alive. I'm sure. And and, and no no yeah. one knew Ronnie better than you. And, and no one is better capable of carrying on his legacy than you are so I think it's, I think it's fantastic
5: and, and I want to do it and also it's a Hologram is done with his live band the band that played with him for the last 17 years on stage this is the same band you know with Craig Goldie and Scott Warren and and Simon Wright, and then we bring in um, uh, Bjorn Engel and Ripper Owens and Oni Logan. And, and, you know, it's, it's, they were all friends or knew Ronnie or played his band.
3: Yeah. We had, we had Craig Goldie on the podcast. I don't know. I guess it's been maybe a year and a half. And um, uh-huh. if you have a chance to go back and listen to that, it's fantastic. I mean, he just really, really had some amazing stories about Ronnie and just oh. obviously spoke novels about, you know, their friendship and just, how well they worked together. Well, they
5: were very good friends, you know. As, as I said, Ronnie's band, uh, his bandmates
3: were also his friends. Absolutely. So we did. We had actually we had Jeff Pizzuti on the podcast, and so he, oh great, uh, he, of course, <laughs> yeah, we had him too, and he's of course for our listeners is the CEO of Illusion, and and they're the creators of the hologram, and and the thing that I found Wendy to be most amazing about the hologram is that it's not a projection of like a previously recorded performance. It's actually no, a reproduction no. of Ronnie. Right. And it's like pain, absolutely painstaking absolutely. detail paid to every yeah. nuance of his movement, of his posture. So tell us a little yeah. bit. I mean, this is a, it's a big deal and they've worked very hard at getting this right. Oh, it
5: takes a long time to get it right. Absolutely. This is a long process, but it's uh it's amazing. It's very interesting the way it goes and how the people they use, we use a lot of people from legacy who, um, um, did um, Avatar uh, and Jungle Book, the last Jungle Book and Avatar. So they're very creative people and they they know exactly what they're doing and they create this hologram, which is just ama- absolutely amazing. I mean, it's like uh, you almost, I mean, it's almost like Ron is back there and there he is again.
3: Yeah, and so you were very, very touched, I bet, Vakken and the most recent time, You, I mean, it has to be a very strange experience for you as his wife it is. and his manager. It is. And I didn't think
5: I would be emotional because I've been through, you know, step by step watching it being made. But actually, when he's up on stage with the bandmates, it's, uh, it's very emotional.
3: Yeah. So he would have been into this. And I'm sure, you know, he expected you to carry on for him as his wife and manager. And so, you know, I'm curious about that relationship. So how did you juggle everything? Because, I work with my husband a bit on this podcast so I have my own unique set of challenges and keeping those two worlds kind of balanced. What kind of challenges would you encounter playing both parts? His wife his well, manager Well, you know
5: with Ronnie, with Ronnie, you know, the the business side we always had like I didn't interfere with his music, he didn't interfere with my my business, uh, you know, of, of plans for, for um his music, you know, he he wrote his music. He dealt with all the music. I didn't interfere with the studio or anything else. But he didn't inter- interfere with how I p- projected the the performances to go, what shows to do, and something we were, I would book everything. We would get everything together. Um, a lot of times, the only things we always had butt heads about was interviews. Ronnie was um, had been doing interviews as I said for forty years, probably. And people ask the same questions all the time, and he would say, oh, I don't want to do this interview. I've got to do this show. I don't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. Right. He would always do the interviews, but he always gave me a hard time about it. Yeah. One day I was really um, very busy, and I didn't have time to uh, argue with him about it. And I said, look, is this going to be a five-minute argument or the 50-minute argument? Because I don't really have time. You always end up doing them. Why do you put me through this? He said, Wendy... I have to suffer. You have to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> like
3: spoken and he like He would always do them, husband. but it was,
5: always, it was always a challenge to get him to yeah. do them. And he always would do them, and he'd be fabulous when he does them. <laughs> but he would just give us the hard time.
3: That's and, hysterical. <laughs>
5: Good yeah, story. Uh, no, it, it was um, – we worked very, very well together. He, he – he and I had a, a very, very, very strong relationship. Well, you know, um, we we trusted each other's judgment in everything, and um, we we rarely butt heads except for you know certain silly things. But most of the time, we just we 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 were in tune with each other totally. You know, I mean, it was like my it was like my soulmate.
3: Yeah, and when you've been with someone that long, you know, you you know the insides. Yeah, not. we met we met in
5: 1973. We got married in 1978.
3: That's amazing. Going. Long, where, long time. Where did you meet? Because you're, you're, you're British. Did you meet when you were over there, or no, that, no,
5: no? I knew, I knew the band Deep Purple, and I was very friendly with Richie Blackmore's wife. And um, I had moved over here to America, and um, I was at the Rainbow, and uh, they were Ritchie and the band came, and they said, oh, they just um. Formed a new band, Rainbow, and uh, they were having a party up at their house. Would I like to go? I said, Yeah, sure. And I went and I met Ronnie, and that's they introduced me to Ronnie. Um, I thought, Oh, it's way too short for me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And he insisted on calling me and um, asking me to get out, and I went out with him a few times and then. he said, "Come on the road with me for a while," and I said, "Well, I'll come for a week. I can't, I can't give my job up." And I went for a week, and I never, I never went back. <laughs>
3: so, and what, what were you doing at the time when you met him? Because, like, when did you switch over as his manager then?
5: Well, uh, when I was in England, I was, um, I worked at Decca Records, and I also worked for an entertainment agency called Rick Gunnell Agency. And I worked for several attorneys doing contracts. So I was very into knowing what was going on in the music business. Right. Um, when, uh, when the reason I started managing Ronnie, because he was managed by, when he went into uh, Rainbow, they were managed by uh, Ronnie's manager, uh, which is Bruce Payne. He was managing them. And then when Ronnie left Rainbow, he thought that uh, Bruce was going to continue managing him. And Bruce said, no, he didn't have time to manage him. So, we went back to California, we were living in Connecticut at the time, we went back to California and uh, Ronnie and I said, we we have to look for a manager, he goes, well, why don't you manage me? And I go, oh, I I don't know how to do that. He goes, (laughs) you've already, you know, you've been working a record label and and a booking agency (laughs) and and, and attorneys with contracts, you must know. I said, well, let's try out somebody else first. So, that's when we got Rough Cut together and we decided we'd see see how that went and, of course. I started managing them, and then I just continued. Started managing Ronnie.
3: You were a natural, and he knew you would be. So, and here you are. Here you are, still doing it, going strong. Still doing so, it. That's Still amazing. there. Still. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll be doing it till I
5: till I leave, breathe my last breath. I think. <laughs> Every time I and think so, about retiring, you know, yeah. when Ronnie passed away, I thought, you know, maybe I'll just retire and stuff. And then, no, no, you know, no. I thought, no, I want to I wanna keep his music and his memory alive. So I got very involved in the charity. Uh, Ronnie was always involved in charities anyway. But I, we decided to get, you know, I had got 14 friends, long-time friends of Ronnie's, and we formed the Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund. There's 14 of us board members. And we're all volunteers. Nobody gets paid anything. There's every penny that the kids give us goes straight to research and education, and we try to raise money and give it to different we've given oh, about four hundred thousand to um um to t j Martel to MD Anderson now we're uh, fronting a project with UCLA uh, with Dr. Wong for he's developing a saliva test to, I saw that um, that is fascinating it, yeah it's very exciting very very exciting because you know women are pretty good about getting checked Yeah, they go regularly men you've got to drag them there they don't want to sure. go and a lot of times they don't like the tests that they have to have with the finger up the butt sure and this this is um, he's developed this saliva test where, which is for uh, some cancers uh um, Prostate cancer, colon cancer, and pancreatic cancer, um, and which are mostly men's cancers. I mean, women do right. get them, but they are predominantly men, and so therefore they can go uh, take a swab uh, inside their mouth, and and it doesn't even have to be. Um, ice, or, or like with blood, you have to refrigerate it. Sure. Uh, this can be just put in an envelope, sent and off to sent the lab, out. and it will, will come back. Yeah. And then it will say positive or negative. And if it doesn't say what kind of cancer, but from then on, you can have more tests to find out what kind of cancer right. you have. Right.
3: I was reading so I actually work my day job is in cancer research believe it or not <laughs> so I'm very oh, interested great. in this oh, particular great. test yeah. but I know it, it picks up on the RNA like in the saliva right. so it's it's it. it's absolutely fascinating and MD Anderson yeah. what, that is like just the best you know facility Right. That, in well, that's
5: where Ronnie was treated at MD yeah. Anderson we used to go every two weeks we'd fly to Houston and back again yeah. and um, that was that was yeah we've, we've donated quite a bit of funds to them also as I said to Venn Built in Nashville and to TJ Martel. Um, we continue, you know, we continue giving different things. We, we like to work with uh, young, or new scientists that are developing new things because sometimes the big companies get a bit too um, caught up in administration costs yes. and really don't want to spend any of our, our money that we've gathered from, from everyone on to administration costs. We want it to go straight into where someone's doing research. It for research. Yeah, That's a yeah.
3: beautiful thing, and you're you've chosen. I think the the organizations that you're donating the money to so wisely. So I'm very very impressed with that. As in speaking of, I mean it's like uh, Tony Iommi. I believe he's he's cancer free now. Speaking of, and I was he, just, well, yes, he is. He's he, well. He's, oh, nobody's ever
5: cancer free, but right. he's yes, he's definitely it's uh it's in uh,
3: remission. Right.
5: Uh, yes. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's doing fine. He's doing absolutely fine.
3: And and do you of course everyone I mean some of my favorite Black Sabbath albums are are the the Dio era um Sabbath albums and so and of course they did um, heaven and Hell together. Um, how mm-hmm. often do you, do you hear much from Geezer or Tony, or is that a relationship that's oh, been ongoing? Gloria Butler lives down the same street as me,
5: so oh. I see her probably a couple of times okay. a week. <laughs> uh, we just actually came back from New York. We were in New York. Uh, we flew to New York to um, the, um, for the Rock and Roll um, uh, induction because I managed Ainsley Dunbar, uh, oh, who fantastic. was the original drummer of our Journey, and he was being inducted. So Gloria and I flew there and um, spent five days in New York together, shopping and going to the induction, and um, we just got back. Actually, we got back on Saturday.
3: How fun. Well, next time you're here, I want to try and get you for coffee and another interview maybe. <laughs> we could. Absolutely. So I would lo- Absolutely. I would love I'll that. I'll get Gloria too. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. I would love
5: it. No, no, we're very, you know, I mean, we, we, are, we are very good friends. That's great. So we've been friends for 35 years.
3: Fantastic. So I don't
5: think, you know.
3: Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on to talk with us today, Wendy. I know we, we, have, uh, we don't have much more time here to talk, and I'm sure you're very busy um, out promoting. Of course, everyone go out and support the third annual Ride for Ronnie. It's going to be a fantastic event. A lot of fun, a lot of good people for a good cause. And we at Talking Metal will have all the information in our show notes for this episode on TalkingMetal.com. Um, Wendy, good work carrying on Ronnie's legacy. The fans, thank you. And thanks for giving oh, us we time We thank you today. for
5: your continued support. We really thank you. And Ronnie loved his fans. So he was a very special person, and he really did appreciate his fans and always said, you know, I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for my fans.
3: Absolutely, and very well said. And I couldn't agree with you more. He's just that was so apparent in every show he ever did, and every time I saw him live, that was always very clear. Right. So. He
5: always gave his all, always.
3: He did, 100%. So. Yeah. All right. Thanks, yep. Wendy. Enjoy the okay. rest of your day. Thank you so much. You okay. Take care. Have Thank a great you. day. Okay. You too. Thank you. Okay.
5: Bye
4: bye. Bye bye. It was starting to rain on the night that they first decided. It was blinding snow on the night that they
0: and Roll Children off the Sacred Heart record, a song that Dio Disciples plays in their set list, uh, it looks like not every show, but a lot of the time. And uh, preceding that was Emily's interview with Wendy Dio. A big thanks to Adrenaline PR for setting that up and for Wendy Dio for coming on the Talking Metal podcast. We really appreciate that. And, uh, that You know, we just saw, I don't know if this is the, the podcast to bring this up, but we just saw Last in Line play. And I was really hoping they were going to do a song or two off of Sacred Heart. Nothing, nothing at all. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. And and I, I would like to say that I would love to see Dio Disciples include more Craig Gold. I mean, he's he is Dio Disciples uh, along with the other guys, of course. But I'd love to see them include a song off of Dream Evil or one of the two other records that that he plays on. With. So
2: now the hologram is taking requests. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, I'm for one, I'm, I'm excited and curious as you are, Don, to see this uh, this tour. I do think it's it's maybe it's a good thing that he's not gonna do the. It sounds like he's not gonna do the whole set with them. You know, they will.
3: No, he's coming. He's coming in and out. So he'll come yeah. out for like one song, and he's doing a duet with Ripper. So that's one thing that I found interesting, but it's not just Ripper. Aren't there there are multiple vocalists? So Mark, Oni you know about Logan. more about this than I do.
0: Yeah, only Logan from Lynch Mob fame, yeah. and oh, somebody else. Is there a th- third? That I don't know. We'll have yeah. to we'll have to look that up. There's someone
2: else. I'll look up. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, Mark. I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm excited, and you know, I think it's cool. I I, I've, I have a feeling it'll be done the right way, so that that's why I'm kind of looking forward to sometimes you know you like hear about things and you go that could be a train right. wreck you know right. i don't think wendy's gonna let this thing go out on the road until it is down pat now look technology's technology it doesn't always agree yeah you know even putting together your right. your, your gear today it's like yeah you know it's like oh should we use mike should we not i mean it's it's every, everything's a little tricky with technology but uh i think it's gonna be cool and i think it's done respectfully and i think you know, there's so much, uh, so many recordings of Ronnie, and he's he's almost not bad in anything. He's like right. he's like Phil Linet from Thin Lizzy. Yeah, you could listen to something that somebody recorded in 1974 on a tape recorder, like rerun in "What's Happening." Yeah. and Phil will still sound great in it. Yeah, and that's the same thing with Ronnie. Like I can't imagine how many concert concerts they have recorded, and he always sounds good.
0: Yeah, he, he was does. always on. An amazing voice for sure Let's uh, let's remind people that Don Jameson Has a new album about to come out On April 21st Communication Breakdown on Metal Blade uh, I think you've told this story before But let's, let's circle back to it How did you get involved with Metal Blade?
2: Yeah, the, quickly the, the story was um, You know, Jim Florentine had met Brian Slagle, who's the owner of Metal Blade And one of my personal metal heroes Because he's the guy that sort of Turned me on and a lot of people in America On to the new wave of British heavy metal You know he was importing these CDs and making compilations Of these bands that otherwise you would have Never heard so I was so jealous That Jim met Brian Slagle right. You know it was like he met you know Ozzy Or somebody Yeah. but it was Brian And, and, and he goes oh yeah and Brian gave me All these Iron Maiden bootlegs and I was like Argh! You know right. and then uh, And then I met him probably about six months Later with with Ripper actually and uh, we became friends, and I went on the the road with um, his band, Charred Walls of the Damned, and right. I opened up doing comedy. That was sort of the beginning of me going out and touring with bands.
0: Which features Richard Christie, of course. Yeah,
2: Richard Christie from
0: uh, The Stern Show. And was Ripper... So, yeah, it was and Ripper. Rippers, yeah, Ripper. Right, and
2: Ripper singing, right. Okay. and we came up with the idea to do that, and and he came and saw a couple shows. He's like, look, I don't know if you have a whole album in you, but, man, I see you go up in front of these rock crowds, and you're right. and you're killing it, so... You know, would you like to do a record? And uh, I kind of thought he was, I, th- I thought he was effing with me, man. Right. I thought he was kidding with me because I'm like, this is a, this label's like been a big part of my life. I wouldn't sure. think I'd be on this label. It's like yeah. me watching, you know, Seinfeld and going, right. I, yeah, I should be one of the characters on there. <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, like that's an iconic show. So um, I didn't answer him for a while. And then finally I, I did an event for him. He hired me and he goes, you never gave me an answer on that record deal. I really? Go, wow. I go oh I I thought you were kidding man and yeah. and within 2 minutes we had a record deal put together and
0: Wow, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Now, you know, this this is a comedy record and as are your other two that that definitely appeals to to uh comedy fans but also to to metal fans. When you go out on the road, like like we've seen you do gigs before, that where there's a lot of metalheads in the audience. But the Flemington show was kind of—I know I keep circling back to the Flemington show—but it was kind of interesting because there were some rockers there, but it was it wasn't like a real rock crowd, yeah. You know, so do you gauge a room when you go in and 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 say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a non-metal, non-rock. Direction yeah. judging on what the crowd looks like or the vibe. No,
2: no, 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 no. It's, no, no. it's I, I gauge it when I'm on stage.
0: When you're on stage, yeah.
2: right? You know, I'm going to always, I'm always going to do a certain amount of it, right? But then I'll feel it out because sometimes you, you definitely can't go by looks, right? You know, because what do metalheads look like, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I see guys at concerts all the time and they're blue button-ups and their khakis yeah, and sure. short hair and they come up and apologize to me. They go, "No, really, I love metal. I know I look like this." And I go, "Dude, it doesn't matter as long right. as it's in your heart." Yeah. So I never I never judge a crowd that way for for any material, mm-hmm. you know, cuz some people go, "Oh, this crowd looks a little conservative. Maybe you should tell." I'm like, right. they they're probably wild as hell, man, yeah. you know? Yeah. You never know. So
3: my sister's a perfect example. Like she turned me on to Metallica, like was going to Metallica concerts. I was certain she was going to be killed and sacrificed, um, to Satan, but <clears throat> she's the most clean cut, like Midwest girl you've ever seen in your life, but she's as metal as they come.
2: Yeah, so I just feel it out, and and when I when I do jokes about about the bands, I I try to set them up too, so to, to give some somebody to something to grasp right. on to. If I talk about the Scorpions, I bring up Rocky Like a Hurricane, and then I could see the light go on, and people they go, okay, yeah, I know that song. So so then I put it together, and a lot of the bands that I'll talk about are people, you know, bands that people know, Twisted Sister, Molly Crew, Kiss. So you can do kind of the standards. Yes, I can't do Viking metal jokes in right. front of. The Flemington crowd, right, right, right. Uh, but but yeah, there's a so you gauge it as you go, you figure it out, you do more or less, and and uh, you go from there. But yeah, this album definitely
0: features a lot of that stuff. Right, right, cool guys. We have Chandler Mogul coming up, uh, old friend of mine. He's going to be on the podcast in in just a few minutes. Uh, he is currently singing with legendary guitarist Punky Meadows, so stay tuned for that. Uh, before we get into the interview with with Chandler. I saw uh, I think it was on your site Don um like it seemed like maybe it was the official press release for the new record again communication breakdown is the name of it and it referred to you as formerly of that metal show and it, it kind of bummed me out when I when I read that the, that word I, I was fortunate enough to work with you guys on the final season of the show and uh, I guess I've I've I know Jeff the the producer owns the name and he's shopping it and i guess i was still hopeful that maybe something could could come around with it even though it's been what a year and a half two years at this point um but uh, are you are you now kind of feeling that that it's not coming back
2: well, Mark, I did that metal show in the second phase of my life. <laughs> now I'm in the third phase, <laughs> and now I did. Now I feel like my whole career is coming around. Right. Um, <laughs> hey, look, Mark, you know how it is, man. And and right. and I've and I've always told you this, and I've told lots of other people this. One of the biggest bummers was to have a heavy hitter. Um, like you come on the show, it was, it was almost like, wow, you, you're going to give the, you're like John Sykes right. on, on thunder and lightning. Like, like if Phil would have lived, that would have, right. Sykes would have like oh, well, kicked thanks. them into another gear. Computer. Like thin Lizzie <laughs> would have went to another level. Yeah, it's true. And you were like the John Sykes of our show. Like right. you're bringing in this heavy hitter well, in you. the last couple seasons. And unfortunately we didn't go any farther, but, uh, as is with most uh, things in hard rock and metal you get kicked down um you know you get marginalized you get pushed to the side but somehow you always rise again if we don't for whatever reason i'm you know super proud of the work that we did um i'm super happy that the metal heads have embraced me i'm lucky to not only have a comedy audience but a metal audience that i could talk to sure and, yeah. and to come on your show and, and talk to to all the people who have uh, followed us, and uh, so I'm grateful for that. But uh, we're going to keep trying, man. Absolutely, you know. If we got to if we got to wait till we're 80, we'll do
0: it. Right, right. You know, we'll call it that metal hip. And and you know, it's it's <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, TV shows go, too. I mean, the average TV show doesn't last more than a year or two. You yeah. know, and you guys you guys had a long run, eight 14, years, 14 se- 14 14 seasons, fourteen seasons, eight years, yeah, eight years. So I mean, that's. That's more than than even if it never comes back, you're still more than most shows. You know, yeah, that the, ever, I, ever lasted.
2: The only the only regret I'd say is this, man, is that because of um, just because of the, the impact that we had on a lot of bands, not only new ones but really established ones too, where they they've told me and still tell me now over the years, like we got to tour and do albums again because of you guys. Wow. You guys are so important to the scene. Yeah. And that's the thing that bums me out the most is that, wow, we really did make an impact in the business, not just with fans, but with the bands too. So for that reason alone, I'd love to do it again.
0: Absolutely. And hopefully that'll happen at some point. And, uh, yeah, I guess we should probably wrap things up and remind people where they can get in touch with, in touch with you online. You're on Twitter.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: At Real just, Don Jamison. At Real Don Jameson. The site is donjameson.com. Don um, and, and I'll have links to
2: the album on there. Cool. Um, real quick, just to mention Dave Mustaine plays the opening riff on this album. Oh, awesome. We're drinking his uh, beer right here, so, owned, yeah. which is excellent. So uh, very happy to have a metal legend like that on my record. And um, yeah, follow me on there and uh, check out my stand-up dates to come out when you can.
0: Cool. Very good. Thank you for joining us, Don. Thank you, Emily.
3: It was so fun.
0: Thank you for the great interview with Wendy Dio. And we're going to wrap things up with Chandler Mogul. A nice Jersey boy. Yeah, absolutely. A great guy. We're going to get into some classic Angel. Obviously, this isn't with Chandler. This is uh, probably before Chandler was born. (laughs) Yes, long before. Yeah, Yeah, this is The Tower. And that will be followed by my interview with Chandler who is currently the singer in Punky Meadows' band. Punky Meadows, of course, the guitar player in Angel. And we'll end with some Punky Meadows new music featuring Chandler, if that makes sense. Cool. Here we go. A little Angel on Talking Metal. Mark Striegel from Talking Metal and checking in with us on the phone is an old friend Chandler Mogul. How are you Chandler? Hey buddy I'm doing good how are you? Good I'm so glad to talk with you because I've run into you a couple times now in the the last like six months and the most That's recent true. time was at the Last in Line show in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. <laughs> what what a great night that was seeing Vivian Campbell play their classic Dio songs. Did you like the show?
1: Totally, I did. I did very much. It was uh, really impressive. It was my first first time to uh, get to see any of those guys in any capacity, so uh, it was... Uh, I loved it. And, and, man, that singer, Andrew Freeman, I think his name is, yes. he's excellent. Yeah, you
0: yeah. know, and, and I, I felt like, which is something you know, that, that having the voice and being able to hit the notes is is one thing, but, but he also... He just had a, a personality and an attitude that also just filled that room that I thought really took things up to even a, a, a higher yeah. level, you know, and, and uh, it's something I noticed with you, too. When I ran into you the last time, kind of we, we waved at each other. I was in the photo pit. You were up on stage. You were, you were at the rock Uh, What was that thing called? The Rock uh, Carnival, right? Down in New Jersey on a very rainy day. And you were playing with the one and only Punky Meadows from Angel Fame. And wow, that was a great set. You did songs that, that you've recorded with Punky, but you also did some of the old Angel Classics. And we were That's able correct. to uh, interview Punky that day, but we didn't we didn't get a didn't get to connect with you. So I just wanted to kind of, from your end, find out how this all went down. You've been with Punky for how long now?
1: Uh, I've been with Punky since late 2015 is when we recorded the, the album uh, Fallen Angel, his Fallen debut Angel. solo record. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and basically we've been we've just been booking shows and doing spot dates here and there and. And now um, we're in April of 2017, and we got two shows this month. Uh, one at the Chance uh, Theater in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, on April 21st, and cool. then one at BB King's in Manhattan on nice. Saturday, April 29th. So, awesome. uh, I'm Looking forward to both of those this month. And the show—the show is excellent. Funky puts on a great show for all those of you who know Angel. You know, we'll be doing some Angel tunes, and we'll be doing some tunes off Funky's new record. And uh it's it's a, gonna be it's a great band. It's gonna be a great night. It's nothing but a good time. So definitely uh, want everybody to come out for that
0: absolutely. And the, the album Fallen Angel is, is really good. The, the songwriting is impressive. I mean, Punky's uh, guitar playing, oh. it just, uh, is, is always just so special. And of course your voice on there, it's a perfect combination. How did you actually oh, connect you. with, with Punky? I mean, for me who, you know, I was a fan of Angel, but I, I wasn't like actively, you know, Seeking out news on Angel every day, you know, throughout the past sure. twenty five, thirty years, and was, you know. So I punk, you know, Punky was the one guy out of the band I, I never really heard much about, and then suddenly, like you said, boom, two thousand sixteen, he's back with a with a new right. album and kind of re emerged right. into the public eye of of the rock fan <laughs> myself. How did this all happen? What was he doing all these years, and what inspired him to come out of the uh, the, the shadows and, and bless us with his music again? And how did you connect with him? It's a lot, but uh, yeah,
1: um, uh, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, basically, it goes back to um, uh, one of his biggest fans, Danny Danny the Danny Faro, um, who's the rhythm guitar player and punky's of uh, the band and punky's manager as well. And he had basically saw that the story goes, uh, he basically. Sought out Punky and talked him into getting back into the business and making a record again. So, um, so basically, that's what happened. Long story short, Punky has been doing um, Punky's been doing. Uh, he's been in a, a variety of, of businesses, I think, in the last thirty years, and this is his first record, first thing he's done in the music business in over the, aside from some guest appearances here and there. Right. You know, in thirty-five years since the, wow. you know the last Angel record, whatever that was. So um so yeah it's pretty it's pretty impressive for somebody to reemerge after that that long and still have everything that they've had he's got the moves, he's got the licks he's got the the hair of course everybody wants to know about the hair he's got yeah, the I hair guess. you know still i you know I, <laughs> it, it's in perfect shape every time i see it you know yeah. um, so uh yeah and and uh you know this is uh you know he's he's back to stay and i'm i'm really glad to be a part of it um you know <laughs> they, they uh, you asked how I came into how I came to Yeah, to did you know it, Danny or um, did you
0: know Punky or how did that all come about? No.
1: Well, I started talking to Danny before I had met Punky, but um, because they were holding auditions. They had a, a audition uh, call out for singers and um, they were, uh, you know, looking for the right voice for the project. And I was like, oh, I you know, I've heard of Punky before and I've heard of, uh, you know, Angel. I was never a fan, really. I'd only heard a few tunes of Tower and stuff like that, but but uh, so I sent my stuff over to them and, uh, and then I even with them for two days I heard back and um, and uh, you know they were like hey, yeah, we're, we're, you're one of the, the you know there was like 100 people auditioned. They're one of the few we want to try out. so I'll come to uh studio and, and let you know just you know we'll do some tracks and see how it goes as kind of an audition thing. And uh, so I did that and basically long story short, those tracks, that I did. I sang at "Street Shooter" and "Price You Pay" that are on the record, and those those takes I did at that audition actually ended up on the record. So. Awesome. <laughs> so that's pretty much how it how it went.
0: Yeah. And you've done a number of shows with him already, right? Like how 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 many shows total have you done with him? Do you know yeah. approximately? Oh,
1: we've done about I think it was seven or eight or so. Right. You know, here and there. Um, and uh, you know, we've done a ton of interviews and, and things like that there've been reviews and radio spots and everything. There was a lot of press for the album. Um, you know, basically the album hit. uh, I don't know if you know this, but the album hit uh billboard of June of last year. Um, uh, it was number one thirty-six on the top 200. Wow. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So That's basically, awesome. and basically this, this year we're looking to play as, as, as much as many live shows as we can. You know, we have a new booking agent now and, uh, you know, we're working on some, some more dates and festivals and things for later in the year. So, um, yeah, it's going good. But we definitely, uh definitely looking forward to the shows we have this month, Chance Theater on April 21st and B.B. B. King's on April 29th.
0: Right on. And for people coming down to those shows, you're obviously going to give them some of the songs off the new record, Fallen Angel. But I would imagine there's also at least a, a few Angel classics, I would hope, right?
1: Oh yeah. No, definitely, definitely. We we couldn't couldn't get away without playing those. <laughs> so uh no, we're gonna be doing some some angel tunes that uh that the fans would expect and uh you know, I won't ruin it. I won't, you know, blow the surprise and say which ones, but uh but I think the everybody who, who comes is definitely gonna be pleased with the selection. So Cool. Um, that's good. And like and like I said, funky's in fine form. The the band is great, you know, we've got we've got Charlie Calve on keys who some may know from radio exile with me and, uh, his other band shotgun symphony. Um, and we have, um, Bob Pantella from monster magnet on drums. We've got Danny, uh, Danny Farrell on rhythm guitar. Um, he also played in the band called Lords of mercy. And we have, um, uh, Oh my God, who am I forgetting here? <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. No, we've got, uh, and we have uh, 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 Felix should be. Uh, I believe he will be there. His, his health is still not in top top condition yet. Okay. Um, I don't believe he's going to be doing the whole show, but we're going to have uh, our friend Keith Roth uh, sitting in on bass, who who covered the March shows as well. So, uh, and then we have my good friend Amy Anderson and Barb Servis on uh, background vocals. So it's going to be a it's going to be a good night, man. Right on. Now you've done
0: work yeah. with all sorts of musicians through throughout your your career. I mean, you've been uh, mentioned like like with Rod Stewart. Is that right? You did some work with him once.
1: No, uh, no, no, no. I I, I, <laughs> I performed for Rod Stewart, but not. Uh, I haven't worked with him, unfortunately.
0: Okay, so you performed (laughs) for him. Okay, so for him, yes, he was in the audience, (laughs) right? And then, but you, you definitely with with Out Loud uh, did some work with now. Out Loud, let's talk a little bit, just briefly, about Out Loud. It is a a band that includes a member of Firewind.
1: Um, Yes, that's Bob Cassionis. We've done. We've basically he and I have run Out Loud for about eight. I'd say eight years now. And you know, is that still two, active? Three. Yeah, it's still active. Um, we, we're not really doing anything right now because we, both of our schedules are a little crazy. We're both full time musicians. And he's in two, the two touring bands over in Europe. And I've been with Punky, and I'm doing a lot of gigs here in the New York City area. Um, so it's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, you have two full time musicians, it can be tough sometimes. But we, we have another album planned. Do we have a contract on the table? It's just a question of when we can really devote all the time we need to do it. So, um, right on. But, uh, cool. Yeah.
0: And yeah. without getting into a conversation about politics, how, how, I'm reading <laughs> your bio here, and you've performed uh, for President uh, Donald Trump, I assume, before he was president, uh, twice. Right. Yeah. I, what, yeah. What's the backstory here? Do you know President Trump?
1: That's correct. Yeah. Well, I. Oh no, uh, no I don't know him personally but he i I performed for him twice with um with the uh, uh corporate band. I do uh, uh living in New York City I'm uh, kinda really into the private uh music scene like uh, for uh high society gigs, wedding gigs, corporate gigs, this kind of stuff. You know, it's a good thing to be into because they pay really well. Um and uh so with my, those types of gigs have led me to uh Mar a Lago a couple times. Wow uh, to perform for <laughs> Mr. Trump, yeah, and, and and a funny thing you mentioned, Rod Stewart. That's where Rod Stewart was. As well, was that was at that party, that New Year's Eve, Donald Trump's New Year's Eve party that I played for him in 2013.
0: Now, so, now does yep. does Donald Trump or President Trump does he uh, help with the set list? Is he like are people like you know he wants to hear these songs? <laughs> no. no,
1: he hired the band. He hired the band, but basically, I mean, I don't know what he requested. I wasn't in charge of that, but right, you know. Uh, he you know he, maybe he had some particular requests i don't know it, it was pretty much uh, general kind of you know typical kind of stuff i remember we did well we did don't stop believing and "Living on a prayer he was rocking out
0: <laughs> nice nice interesting <laughs> so, stuff that's yeah, great yeah i mean
1: yeah so uh yep this was this was a while ago there was another time when we played for him that he was at a, a guest at a wedding uh down there as well
0: wow so, cool so yeah. Let's uh, also mention that that you are a working musician and you have a great voice, and we're going to hear a little bit of that voice with with uh, Punky in just a few minutes here. But you're you're available cool, for bro. for hire, right? If there is is a songwriter out there or yeah. somebody who is in need of a singer, <laughs> yes. I know you're incredibly busy, but but again, this is your this is your livelihood. How would somebody get in touch with exactly. you to uh, find out about Never. having you work with them on a on a song? Sure. I'm never busy enough. That's, <laughs> That's how it goes. What's the best way website. they could get in touch okay. with you?
1: Sure. Through my website at dot com. That's dot com, And, um, you know, basically, you know, whatever, whatever's needed, uh, you need me to, uh, help co-write a song or perform just vocals on a song that, that they have written. Um, or if you want me to write the song and perform it, um, pretty much anything to that uh, capacity can be done any style. Awesome. So yeah, happy to, uh, happy to, uh, you know, hear some cool projects out there and uh, check them out. And hopefully event been my voice. still.
0: Excellent. And we'll have that website linked through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com. We'll also have your, your Twitter handle and let's, let's end this here by reminding people that Punky Meadows, along with Chandler on vocals, will be playing at the chance in Poughkeepsie, New York on April 21st coming coming up shortly and then in New York City on 42nd Street at BB King's Blues Club and that should be a great night both nights will be great and I encourage
1: that's, everyone that's to get April, out to the shows yeah this, April 29th April
0: yeah. 29th right at at BB King's it's in for the New B. B. York City Cool. Great. Chandler, yes, it's, sir. Great, it's great catching up with you. We encourage the, uh, the Talking Likewise. Metal listeners to seek you out. And let's end here with, uh, what should we play, Straight Shooter? Or is there another tune you'd rather hit?
1: Um, you can play Straight Shooter. That's definitely a great uh, representation of the record, I think. Cool.
0: Let's do it. This is Straight Shooter by Punky Meadows, featuring Chandler Mogul, our guest today on Talking Metal on vocals. Thanks, Chandler. No problem,
1: man. Thank you.
4: Ever since I've seen you all.